0: Welcome to Emily Rose Meditations. I'm your host, Emily, and today we'll sit with chapter 13 of book one of The Dark Night of the Soul by St. John of the Cross. So find a comfortable seat, take a deep breath, and make your heart ready to receive these words. With respect to the soul's imperfections of spiritual avarice, because of which it coveted this and that spiritual thing, and found no satisfaction in this and that exercise, by reason of its covetousness, for the desire and pleasure which it found therein, this arid and dark night has now greatly reformed it. For, as it finds not the pleasure and sweetness which it was wont to find, but rather finds affliction and lack of sweetness. It has such moderate recourse to them that it might possibly now lose through defective use what aforetime it lost through excess. Although, as a rule, God gives to those whom he leads into this night humility and readiness, albeit with lack of sweetness, so that what is commanded them they may do for God's sake alone, and thus they no longer seek profit in many things because they find no pleasure in them. With respect to spiritual luxury, it is likewise clearly seen that, through this aridity and lack of sensible sweetness which the soul finds in spiritual things, it is freed from those impurities which we there noted." for we said that, as a rule, they proceeded from the pleasure which overflowed from the spirit into sense. But with regard to the imperfections from which the soul frees itself in this dark night with respect to the fourth sin, which is spiritual gluttony, they may be found above, though they have not all been described there, because they are innumerable. And thus I will not detail them here For I would fain make an end of this night in order to pass to the next, concerning which we shall have to pronounce grave words and instructions. Let it suffice for the understanding of the innumerable benefits which, over and above those mentioned, the soul gains in this night with respect to this sin of spiritual gluttony, to say that it frees itself from all those imperfections which have there been described, and from many other and greater evils, and vile abominations which are not written above, into which fell many of whom we have had experience, because they had not reformed their desire as concerning this inordinate love of spiritual sweetness. For in this arid and dark night wherein he sets the soul, God has restrained its concupiscence and curbed its desire So that the soul cannot feed upon any pleasure or sweetness of sense, whether from above or from below. And this he continues to do after such manner that the soul is subjected, reformed, and repressed with respect to concupiscence and desire. It loses the strength of its passions and concupiscence, and it becomes sterile because it no longer consults its likings just as when none is accustomed to take milk from the breast, the courses of the milk are dried up so that the desires of the soul are dried up. And besides these things, there follow admirable benefits from this spiritual sobriety. For when desire and concupiscence are quenched, the soul lives in spiritual tranquility and peace. For where desire and concupiscence reign not, There is no disturbance, but peace and consolation of God. From this, there arises another and a second benefit, which is that the soul habitually has remembrance of God with fear and dread of backsliding upon the spiritual road, as has been said. This is a great benefit and not one of the least that results from this aridity and purgation of the desire. For the soul is purified and cleansed of the imperfections that were clinging to it because of the desires and affections, which of their own accord deaden and darken the soul. There is another very great benefit for the soul in this night, which is that it practices several virtues together, as, for example, patience and long-suffering, which are often called upon in these times of emptiness and aridity when the soul endures and perseveres in its spiritual exercises without consolation and without pleasure, it practices the charity of God, since it's not now moved by the pleasure of attraction and sweetness which it finds in its work, but only by God. It likewise practices here the virtue of fortitude, because in these difficulties and insipidities which it finds in its work, it brings strength out of weakness, and thus becomes strong. All the virtues, in short, the theological, and also the cardinal and moral, both in body and in spirit, are practiced by the soul in these times of aridity. And that, in this night, the soul obtains these four benefits which we have described here, namely, delight of peace, habitual remembrance and thought of God, cleanness and purity of soul, and the practice of the virtues, which we have just described. David tells us, having experienced it himself when he was in this night, in these words, my soul refused consolations. I had a remembrance of God. I found consolation and was exercised, and my spirit failed. And then he says, and I meditated by night, with my heart, and was exercised, and I swept and purified my spirit, that is to say, from all the affections. With respect to the imperfections of the other three spiritual sins which we have described above, which are wrath, envy, and sloth, the soul is purged hereof likewise in this aridity of the desire, and acquires the virtues opposed to them. For Softened and humbled by these aridities and hardships and other temptations and trials wherein God exercises it during this night, it becomes meek with respect to God and to itself, and likewise with respect to its neighbor, so that it is no longer disturbed and angry with itself because of its own faults, nor with its neighbor because of his. Neither is it displeased with God nor does it utter unseemly complaints, because he does not quickly make it holy. Then, as to envy, the soul has charity toward others in this respect also, for, if it has any envy, this is no longer a vice as it was before, when it was grieved because others were preferred to it and given greater advantage. Its grief now comes from seeing how great is its own misery, and its envy if it has any, is a virtuous envy, since it desires to imitate others, which is a great virtue. Neither are the sloth and the irksomeness which it now experiences concerning spiritual things vicious as they were before. For in the past, these sins proceeded from the spiritual pleasures, which the soul sometimes experienced and sought after when it found them not. But this new weariness proceeds not from this insufficiency of pleasure, because God has taken from the soul pleasure in all things in this purgation of the desire. Besides these benefits which have been mentioned, the soul attains innumerable others by means of this arid contemplation. For often in the midst of these times of aridity and hardship, God communicates to the soul when it is least expecting it, the purest spiritual sweetness and love, together with a spiritual knowledge which is sometimes very delicate, each manifestation of which is of greater benefit and worth than those which the soul enjoyed aforetime. Although in its beginnings the soul thinks that it is not so, for the spiritual influence now granted to it is very delicate and cannot be perceived by sense. Finally, Inasmuch as the soul is now purged from the affections and desires of sense, it obtains liberty of spirit, whereby, in ever greater degree, it gains the twelve fruits of the Holy Spirit. Here, too, it is wondrously delivered from the hands of its three enemies, devil, world, and flesh. For its pleasures and delight of sense, being quenched with respect to all things, Neither the devil, nor the world, nor sensuality has any arms or strength wherewith to make war upon the spirit. These times of aridity, then, cause the soul to journey in all purity in the love of God, since it is no longer influenced in its actions by the pleasure and sweetness of the actions themselves, as perchance it was when it experienced sweetness, but only by a desire to please God. It becomes neither presumptuous nor self-satisfied, as perchance it was wont to become in the time of its prosperity, but fearful and timid with regard to itself, finding in itself no satisfaction whatsoever. And herein consists that holy fear which preserves and increases the virtues. This aridity, too, quenches natural energy and concupiscence as has also been said. Save for the pleasure indeed, which at times God himself infuses into it, it is a wonder if it finds pleasure and consolation of sense through its own diligence in any spiritual exercise or action, as has already been said. There grows within souls that experience this arid night concern for God and yearnings to serve him, for in proportion, as the breasts of sensuality, wherewith it sustained and nourished the desires that it pursued, are drying up, there remains nothing in that aridity and detachment save the yearning to serve God, which is a thing very pleasing to God. For as David says, an afflicted spirit is a sacrifice to God. When the soul then knows that, in this arid purgation, through which it has passed, it has derived and attained so many and such precious benefits as those which have here been described. It tarries not in crying, as in the stanza of which we are expounding the lines, O happy chance, I went forth without being observed. That is, I went forth from the bonds and subjection of the desires of sense and the affections, without being observed, that is to say, without the three enemies aforementioned being able to keep me from it. These enemies, as we have said, bind the soul as with bonds, in its desires and pleasures, and prevent it from going forth from itself to the liberty of that love of God. And without these desires and pleasures, they cannot give battle to the soul, as has been said, When, therefore, the four passions of the soul, which are joy, grief, hope, and fear, are calmed through continual mortification, when the natural desires have been lulled to sleep in the sensual nature of the soul by means of habitual times of aridity, and when the harmony of the senses and the interior faculties causes a suspension of labor and a cessation from the work of meditation, as we have said, which is the dwelling and the household of the lower part of the soul, these enemies cannot obstruct this spiritual liberty, and the house remains at rest and quiet, as says the following line, my house being now at rest. Thank you for joining me today.
1: The peace of Christ be with
0: you.